This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Page Toon, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you so much for having me. So you've come a long way. I have, yeah, all the way from England. <laughs> yeah, whereabouts in England? I live in Cambridge. Oh, yeah. nice place to live. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, now, let me introduce you. Um, you're the international best-selling author. Um, you grew up in England, Australia and America, and I need to know more about that. And you've been writing books set in sun-drenched locations around the world since 2007. Uh, Page has released over 13 not oh, 13 books, um, including uh, Five Years From Now and The One We Fell In Love With, and also a three-part spin-off series for young adults. Uh, Paige loves connecting with her readers and in 2014 set up a club, The Hidden Page, to share free short stories and extra content with her readers. I mean, readers just love that, don't they? Oh, they do, yeah. They do. Especially if they're spin-off stories with, you know, much-loved characters. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you often, when you put down a book, you wonder what's, ha- what's happened to the person. So there you go. Or the character. Well, I do too. So that's, yeah. that's, re- that's really, what, you know, my motivation for writing them. I'd like to sort of touch base with them again and, and find out what alive. they might be up to. Yeah. 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 Um, she's here with her latest novel. It's called If You Could Go Anywhere, a heartbreaking, romantic and utterly compelling tale that follows one woman on a life-changing journey from Australia to Italy. Um, so I hear you've got some super fans and I just heard in our office that one of our, um, one of our people is too, Jane. So starting to write in 2007 was quite late, I guess. Was it for you? Yeah, I think, oh, I can't remember how old I was then. I'm not going to try and do the no. maths right now. But um, yeah, yeah, it was quite late. I, yeah. I'd always wanted to write ever since yeah. I was a, a little girl. Um, yeah. It was the first job I ever thought I would, would want to do, would, become, would be to be an author. Um, and then I decided to get into journalism went to work for magazines and it started to feel that it was never going to happen. So tell me about where you grew up and how you ended up growing up across three places. I yeah, guess, well, I was country. born in England, but my entire family going back generations are Australian. Ah, um, right. And so I grew up in Australia um, and my dad used to be a racing driver. And so we would spend half the year in Australia where I went to primary school and the first couple of years of secondary school, high school, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should be saying. Yeah. I'm too anglicised now. Um, and then then we moved to England permanently. But it, during those sort of first early childhood years, we spent the second half of the year either in America or in England, depending on where he was racing at the time, and then eventually settled in England permanently. Right. And then the rest of my family all came back to Australia and left me over there once I'd already got a great job and met my future husband. So, decided to <laughs> so stay. I'm still there. Yeah. Talk to me about racing car driving. I mean, it's it's. I guess it is so mobile. <laughs> it's a, it's almost a, a pun there. But I mean, how how does it work? Do you stay in the one location or do you just follow the rates like tennis tournaments and? Yeah, well, and, in, in America, he was racing mainly in Indi- Indianapolis. I'm probably totally going to get this wrong because I don't really remember so much. Um, 
so but when he and then he then he went and did championship driving in um japan so we'd go there a little bit yeah so it was mainly sort of and france you know he he won the le mans 24 hour you know race back in 1983 what's so. his name Vern chupin right okay i mean yeah. i don't know but i'm sure a lot of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he started off in formula one but that was kind of a bit before my time i have never met a person whose dad is a racing car driver. Yeah, it was kind of odd. It was it funny growing up. Odd. Yeah. Do, you know. do you know anyone? Oh, I guess you did. You I know people a few, on the yeah. circuit. Yeah, yeah. I met a few people. So. And what happens to the family when that's happening? Um, do you mean like my, your mum and you? You know, what did you guys? Well, mum used to like be terrified. You know, obviously yeah. having to. You know, I think she'd sort of always encourage him to. Okay, that's enough now. Last race. You know, that'll yeah. be it. And. I mean, I used to just find it really exciting until I was a little bit older and then I started realising just how dangerous it was because Dad raced during a time where there were so many fatalities, you know, that really was the most dangerous sport. And now you sort of look back at some of the old footage of the cars that he used to drive and... And what um, was he driving? What kind of cars? Oh, God, please don't ask me that. No, I don't know <laughs> either. But I mean, were they big, who? solid cars? Is what um, I want to well, know. Well, he used to ride, drive like the little little sort of, you know, Formula oh, One Grand Prix cars, right. you know, to start off with, you know, and they were, you yeah. know, terrifyingly small. But then he went to the bigger championship drivers, like the big, he used to drive Porsche, you know, a lot of, right, okay. you know, sort of really the big, more solid Mm. Solid ones. Um, so when so when when he's out racing, are you guys sitting there watching like they do at say the tennis, for instance? Yeah, we used to go as, yeah. um, to quite a few races and yeah. other ones. Like he had a really really bad crash in America once, and we were watching that on the telly. <gasps> and it was, I mean, he says you know he was heading towards a you know concrete wall, brakes locked, steering locked, and he knew with a hundred percent certainty he was going to die. Uh, he didn't die, but um, at that point, like the car just smashed to smithereens, and then they cut to an advert break. And my <gasps> mum, you know, can imagine. I mean, and I was like, oh, I'm really scared about dad. And she's like, he's going to be fine. But she was terrified, you know. Yeah, she was. So, yeah, yeah. We, we had a, I think there were a couple of, a couple of accidents like that. And how do, do you think that that's formative? Like, that's such an unusual upbringing, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I guess it gave me a love for travel. Yeah. And but I was quite happy to settle down in my twenties. You know, I liked yeah. sort of being So how old were you when you stopped travelling? Um well we still carried on travelling a bit through my teen years and probably I guess about fifteen or so, you know, yeah. we didn't travel as much from that point. But and then mum and dad moved back to Australia when I was in my early sort of twenties. And so going back to your teens, were you moving schools a lot? Um, no, I stayed at the same school. Um, we, I went to Mount Barker Primary School in the Adelaide Hills and then right. went to Mount Barker High School for a couple of years. And the rest of the time when we were away, we my mum used to tutor us and then we eventually got a tutor when the work became a bit more difficult. Um, and then eventually went to school in England and did all my exams there. Right, yeah. Just really interesting background, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun, you know, it's, yeah. Would it be something that you would allow your, you know, that, that, that you think that that's okay for kids? Is that... Oh, it's a funny question. That it's so much harder these days because schools won't allow you to take kids out. For um, we, we were really lucky. We had a headmaster who just, you know, said this is just the best, you know, life experience for them and encouraged yeah. it. And we were really lucky that their teachers were willing to give us all the coursework and everything that we needed to do while we were away. But I'm not sure that would happen these days so much, you know. And it, I'm, obviously, as an author, I could work from anywhere in the world, and I yes. would love to be able to just take the kids out of school for a couple of months and just come down to Australia and spend like yeah. the three months of summer here. And because I didn't see a winter until I was twelve, you know, like I, I literally had not seen a winter. Because um, is, it, is it a summer sport? It is, yeah. So we spent the summer years, summer sort of months in Australia, and then the other summer months in either America or England. So. 
and it, that was I mean, it was magical seeing my first Christmas in in England. You know, seeing snow for the first time was pretty imagine. pretty and crazy. And now you're in Cambridge. It must be very cold in the winter there. It does, yeah. It's been a really mild winter so far, and I think it's already heating up over there. So um, right. we've been kind of lucky, but yes, it can be very very bitter. Yeah, and very muddy. There's a so lot of mud. when you decide, yeah, <laughs> when you decided to stay, so tell me how those decisions were made, and and when was it that you decided that it was writing was going to be. Were you writing when you were little? Did you start? Yes. So I used to write all the time when I was little. I used to always write stories and poems and songs. And the first job I ever wanted to be was an author. And then when now I was about 12... that's unusual. I think it is. I mean, and even crazier is that at the age of 12, I was I was reading magazines and, and thought, like Dolly magazine, I used yeah. to get a ship to the UK. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I missed that's it so, so much. Funny. Yeah. yeah. And I was just devouring this page. I was like, do you know what? I think what I'll do is I'll become a journalist first and then I'll become an author when I want to have kids and so I can work from home. <laughs> wow, that's good planning. I know. Yeah, but very competitive industry. So yeah. I, I am literally still pinching myself that that did happen. Um, but I, And I was really lucky to get a job at, at Heat magazine, um, which is a, at the time, you know, it was... I didn't know this when I got the job, but it was on the verge of closing. And then within the next couple of years, it went on to sell like upwards of half a million copies a week, you know, and just became like one of the biggest success stories of the publishing industry of its time. Why? Um, it just, would you mean, why did it sell so many copies? Yeah, why I think did it, it just, change? It tapped into um, the celebrity culture. I think possibly after Princess Diana died, you know, and people became more obsessed with celebrity rather than royals in the UK. Yeah. Um it was about like Victoria Beckham and the Spice Girls and, yes. um, you know, Big Brother was absolutely huge. You know, it was the beginning of all of that. And so, you know, you stick Victoria Beckham on the cover and it would just like sell crazy amounts of copies. You know, it was just all Brad and Angelina, you know, like yeah. when that all happened and people just became really obsessed with the celebrity culture. And I think that's died off a bit now, but certainly. Do you think it has died off or do we just watch it through social media? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, Where were you when Princess Diana died? I was in America and I, it was so weird. I dreamt about her that night. I, I, it was so weird. <laughs> I dreamt weird. that she had five children and then I woke up to the news that she'd died that night it was so strange you know yeah, yeah no I really remember we'd been driving across America and we were staying in this tiny sort of town in the middle of nowhere that had a real cowboy kind of feel about it you know, sort of felt like you were in a western and um, and yeah woke up to that news it was yeah it was yeah. really shocking it's awful isn't it um, okay so you, you kind of you were on track well you, your mind was on track to what you wanted to be but how do you make that happen so I was working at Heat as a reviews editor um, yeah. so I would see all of these you know beautiful books come into the office and actually at, the same I think as our office yeah <laughs> I know I'm looking around at them now it's amazing but um, it actually it, it really knocked my confidence more than anything it didn't make me think oh I could do this it actually made me think I just don't know how I could ever do this and mm. And, and I started sort of thinking this is going to be one of the biggest regrets of my life that I'm never going to be an author because it's something that I'd wanted for so long. And I had an idea for my first book, but I just couldn't imagine how I could fill out 100,000 words of this one idea. Well, that's what I was going to say because pretty much journalism is short form. Yeah. So how do you translate that well, or exactly. how that technique go yeah. from... Well, so, and the weird thing is that like English was always my best subject at school, but yeah. critical analysis was my weakest point within English. Yeah. And now I'm a reviews editor and I'm, you know, that's basically <laughs> critical analysis as a job for seven years. Um, but I, I guess, I, you know, in my heart, I was always still felt very creative, you know, wanted to do creative writing. 
And so when I got the book deal based on the idea alone, actually, it was I'd only written like three chapters and a 5,000 word synopsis and 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 then decided that I'd write it before Christmas, which was three and a half months away <laughs> with okay, a full-time job. <laughs> so you, you, you're writing, you've got a full-time job. Yeah, full-time you got job. children at this stage? No, 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 I fell pregnant that Christmas as soon okay. as I delivered. Because right. um, you like to do everything together, yeah, I gather. Well, I didn't, it was an accident. <laughs> a very happy one, but yeah. So, and you decide there and, you know, at some point you're going to put this book together. So you put a proposal together. I guess because you're in the industry, you know how to do that. Because well, that's often difficult. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, in my situ- in my case, I'd had this idea in my head for a long time. And it was main- primarily about a girl who was caught between England and Australia because yeah. that, I was really, my parents had moved back and I was feeling very homesick and but still very much rooted in England. And so I'd had this idea for a while and during a really long delay coming back from America, um, I started writing it and I probably only got about a page, maybe three pages in. And a couple of months later, I was just so terrified of failure. I think I just didn't have the courage to write because I just felt like it's never going to see the light of day. It's not like these days you've got self-publishing. But back then, you know, yeah. I just felt like, you know, like I'm, I might write all this, you know, no one will ever see it or it just won't be good Does enough. Does that matter? Um, I don't think it does matter, but it did to me. Like I yes. felt, I just didn't have the courage. I have so much respect for, you know, all of these authors who write whole novels, you know, and, and then submit because that's obviously the way that you should do it and the way most people do. But in my case, I just had this idea that was sort of. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burning in my brain that I really wanted to write but was just too scared to really get stuck into it. And I went for lunch with um with a publicist friend from Simon & Schuster in the UK and he said to me, you should write a book, love, you know, you get a book deal easy working at Heat magazine because it yeah. was, you know, so, so, so of the moment, you know, that time. And I said, well, I do have an idea. And he said, <laughs> he said, tell me. And so yeah. I told him the idea for Lucy in the Sky, which is about this woman who gets on a plane to Australia and she gets a text message on her on her phone from her boyfriend's mobile, which is basically sent from the woman he's obviously sleeping with. And then she has to go through this awful 24-hour flight down to Australia where she just doesn't know, you know, what's going on back home. And, and then that's, you know, sort of carries on from there. But um, Love the title. Oh, thank you. Yeah. My brother came up with it, actually. <laughs> um, it's a family affair, is it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's very creative, too. <laughs> He's got his own menswear range over here now. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Karen. Oh, good. <laughs> I'll just slip that in there yeah, for yeah, my brother. Yeah, give it a plug. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so he, um, so, so I told this idea to Nigel and he said, I love it. I'm going to go back and tell, you know, my publisher. And five minutes after I got back to the office, I had an email from him saying she loves it. An email from her saying, I love it. I'd like to meet you. 
Um, because they already knew that you could probably write. Well, see, because I was already a working yes. journalist, so I yes. think that does definitely help. You know, yes. I think it's even, it, you know, budding authors out there, you know, yeah. if, uh, use it as a stepping stone, if nothing else, you know, and it's well, a fantastic job in itself anyway. Yeah, but, and just keep writing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I had a book deal um, on the table within nine days of that first, like, lunch meeting. And I just said, well, Nigel said to me, actually, he said, he said, tell him you'll write it by Christmas and have it out in April. And so I said, could I write it by Christmas and have it out in April? And she was like, my editor was like, well, we don't normally work to such tight deadlines, but let's do it. And then the momentum carried through and I ended up writing it in two and a half months in the end because I was just so, just loved it. It was like one of the most joyful times of my life. And considering I was worried that I wouldn't be able to spin my initial idea out, the book just came to life, you know, the second you start writing and... Yeah, I think so with, all those, how many words was it? It was 100,000 words. Well, I mean, I think I might have written 110, but my editor cut about 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's I went, I just thought I'm going to let her do whatever she wants to this, you know, because yeah. she's got all the experience. I've got none. Yeah, and that's just, a great attitude. Yeah, I just did, did yeah. everything she told me to. So yeah. anyone who says my books are page turners, we can thank my editor for that because she cuts <laughs> out all the wool. <laughs> you can give her credit if you like. Oh, we love editors. What's yeah. her name? Suzanne Bamadome. Oh, yeah. right. She's I, very, she's managing... Um, Adult manager of publishing division. She's she's very very senior. It's, and it's just a, yeah, yeah, I met her. I've had oh, dinner with her. Yeah, 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 she used yeah, to be Jackie yeah. Collins's editor. Yes, and, that's how I met her. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Oh, amazing, oh, fantastic. Actually, a little while ago, um, obviously it's the late Jackie Collins now, but she um, she came to my home. A oh, few did years she? Back. Amazing. Yeah. And oh. we recorded an interview, and I was blown away by her generosity of spirit. Oh, she's fantastic. And see, it, Nigel's Jackie's publicist, so I, oh, I met Jackie through Heat. You know. A couple ah. of times, and what a fantastic what woman! What a small world! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm really good friends with those, the people over at Sun and Sister over there and here. All right, so then the book comes out. That's another story entirely, oh my isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, talk to me about that. Well, so I'd written it, and, and was, so you're still working for the magazine. Yes, I was still working at Heat. Yeah. Um, then I fell pregnant. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I had written. Maybe it was the pregnancy hormones that made me so upset, yeah. but. I'd written the book and just absolutely loved it, tried not to think about anyone else as I was writing it. And then when it's done, um, Marion Keyes was reading it. Oh, wow. And we've had her in for a oh, podcast. Oh, she's, she's fantastic, isn't was she? she I, I just thought she was so open and honest. She's amazing. Yeah. She was really amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I adore her. She's she was very authors. generous with us. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely love her. I met her a couple of times through Heat as well. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I knew she was reading it and, and I just suddenly had this massive panic attack about the fact that all of my friends and family and work colleagues were going to read this book like it was going to be out yeah. in the world and See, I just think became that terrifying. Nervous, I yes. was scared. Yeah, really scared mm. and just had no idea if it was any good. Um, and then I got the most amazing quotes through from Marion, which just like made my, well, made my decade actually, yeah. but, um, so that was fantastic. So we could we could put that on the front cover, which I think really really helped. And um, and then yeah, I just had a few months of going through the rigmarole with you know all the different various different editing stages. And then the book comes out. And I think the one of the highlights of my of my career is reading my reviews, my online reviews. Um, I was just glued to them, you know, especially. 
yeah, just just seeing them because these are people who do who don't know me from Adam, you know, yes. and they really are just reviewing the book based on what they yeah. they thought. And to see so many five star reviews coming through and so many readers saying, "Oh, I fell in love with Nathan," and you know, yeah. just really connecting to the stories and the characters, you know, as I had felt as I was writing it, like I just, yeah. you know, felt so sort of connected to them. And and I think people could really feel like they were inside Lucy's head and experiencing the things that she was she was experiencing and yes that was the best thing and that's still the best thing actually it's when you know when the book comes out I'm always glued to my online reviews to have success with the first book is both you know super exciting rewarding but also I think very very scary because Mm. then you have to follow that up don't you and I found that hard because I was pregnant and and I just I could not I was so determined to write my next book before my baby came so I could just enjoy maternity leave and I just couldn't I've since found out it's a bit of a thing with me I find it really hard to write in the summer like I find it my head just turns to cotton wool and and I just you know it just feels really cloudy and I can't connect to characters um and so ever since then, you know, I've always written in the autumn and actually I wrote 50,000 words of, of my follow-up, Johnny Be Good, and then ended up binning almost all of them and writing the entire book from scratch after the baby was born. And I delivered it, I think I only delivered a couple of weeks late, but, um, you know, I just write during baby nap times during the day. And, and again, you know, I just flew through the pages, but I do tend to write quite quickly, you know, yeah. I think ever since Lucy in the Sky and I find it. I find it much easier to just really immerse myself in the in the book and the characters in a shorter space of time and maybe my journalism training as well has sort yeah. of made me work better to a tighter deadline. And I think you've got to give give that, you know, I think to, to be a disciplined writer or, or, you know, being a journalist and writing um, for work, I think does give you a head start. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, just from the authors I've spoken to, it's the challenge, you know, it's the sitting down and actually doing the work. Yeah. It's very challenging. That's um, right. And because yeah. I had such a tiny window for my first, I guess it was my first six books, you know, I was writing during baby nap times alone. Yeah. And, you know, and I was just so productive because I only had, you know, yeah. sort of two, three Always hours a day. I was in awe of that because writing during baby nap time sounds quite easy <laughs> and tranquil. But it's not because I gather you probably had been up most of the night as well. Well, absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> so you would think, well, I know I would be napping during the day, yeah. not writing. No, and I and I kind of missed a little bit, of, you know. I, I didn't feel sorry for myself because I was so happy to be doing the job that I had dreamed about doing for years. But my and friends to have were had that success early on. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean that was incredible. That was incredible, and so yeah. that was sort of happening when I was pregnant. And yeah. Um, but I did, I did miss out maternity leave. Like I didn't get to just go and have a coffee or go and have a lie down or read a yeah. book or anything like that. You know, I did have to fully work from six weeks onwards. You know, I was. Yeah. Totally and did committed. you go back to journalism? I didn't. And I was going to, I had every intention of going back to heat. You know, my yeah. boss had even arranged for me to go back three days a week. And I was, you know, I loved my job there. So I really always wanted to. And I just, I just couldn't leave my son. You know, it kind of got to the point where. I was two months away from supposedly going back to work and I still hadn't put him down on the on the waiting list for a nursery. They had like an eight month, yeah. you know, lead time. And um And that was deliberate. Oh, I just I just oh, I thought of I just really found it so hard. And then I got offered another book deal and I found out around the same time that my boss was gonna be leaving. And I think that sort of felt a little bit like that's the end of an era for me, you know, because yeah. he'd been so instrumental in the growth of heat and, you know, he was yeah. just you know, such a force, you know, and um, and so to know that he wasn't going to be there anymore kind of made me also think, oh, maybe that's well, the end of an era for me too. Yeah, yeah you right. know. And so you're a full-time writer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 
So do you think, I mean, it, it, there are fans out there and, you know, and I'm hearing them and seeing them around me and in the office today. Um, how long does that go on for, do you think? How long does the writing, you what, know? I mean, ter- in, in terms of you just keep going. In terms of my career? Yeah. I think I'll be writing when I'm like in my, well, as long as I live that well, long, you do. know. Well, they do. I can't I mean, see that I'll ever stop. Do, do, yeah. don't they? Yeah. Well, as long as I'm writing the books that I love, which is just, my editor has always said to me, you know, Suzanne, she's always yeah. said, write the books that you love. She said, it's our job to sell them. I yeah. just thought that was just such a great that's philosophy. A great, yeah, and, that's a great line, And I just massively, massively believe in, you know, if, you, if you're passionate about what you're writing, then you will find readers out there who are passionate about reading them. And so you can't kind of be contrived or try to write for you know commercial reasons or what you think might sell yeah. and I'm lucky that the sort of books I write are commercial so yeah. but that's that's luck you know that's that's that the other sort of books I like reading so yeah absolutely yeah. um I just want to ask you before we finish up what was it like because I guess in a sense being a journalism and uh being writing reviews and now the shoe was on the mm. Yeah, yeah. So how did that feel? How that initially, that must have been nerve-wracking to start with. Yeah, too. but also, you know, for the first, um, before I had my baby, I was still working at Heat and my book had come out. <gasps> and I suddenly thought, I can't review anyone else's book. You know, like I just, it just didn't feel right. I mean, I was quite a, I was quite a nice reviews editor in the sense that I would give books to people who I thought, I thought they'd like them. You know, like you, you sort of get yep. the right genre. You don't just sort of get that person to review that book if it's not going to, you know, get yeah. a very good review. I mean, review. I say that here. I say that here, yeah. absolutely. You know, there's no point giving, say, what we call rural ro- romance, for instance, to somebody that doesn't read rural romance. No, exactly. Because that's not going to work. No. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I'd always sort of, you know, try and ideally get, but, you know, I remember... Um, you know, one of my teams sort of giving a, an author who I really, really loved, you know, like a, a three-star review. And I was like, oh, she can't have a three-star review. It should be five stars, you know. Yeah. But um, I had to sort of let it go. But no, I felt very awkward, you know, once so I was on the other So what star did you get? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was kind of a bit of an in-joke. Um, I did get five stars for Lucy in the Sky. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, Lucy in the Sky was um, was a book that was really suited to heat as well, yeah. and the heat readership. But um, but I did, and I put it, see, I was in charge of the um, of the heat chart, the heat chart, and I put it at number one. But I did say, look, I wrote a book, I'm at top, and I'm at number one in the heat chart. Okay, so I put it there. But, you know, <laughs> Isabel really liked it, you know. <laughs> So he's had to make Great a bit of a, and I remember my boss yeah. sort of coming over to me, giving me a bit of a look, and he said, hmm, "I think this is okay. We'll let it go." <laughs> but it was a bit dodgy. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. some people in the office thought, "Who does she think she is?" You know, I just had to make a bit of a joke out of it. I know. I think that's very funny. Well, Paige, thank you so much for coming in to speak to, uh, with us today. Congratulations. Um, the book is called If You Could Go Anywhere. Um, and uh, wow, just keep writing. Thank you. I, well, I fully intend to. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape 
imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.